1: is the 77 WABC minicast. This is the Miller Report with Suzanne Miller. So let's move on to a tough one. I said this wasn't going to be cupcake. Mm-hmm. Tough one is migrants. Mm-hmm. Mr. Mayor, we got an issue here
0: without a doubt.
1: In the past, you were proponent to put these migrants. 140,000 came to New York City. In hotels. Mm -hmm. Do you still think this is a good idea?
0: Yeah, well, we have to put them where we we can get the space. Uh, You know, who would have thought that over a year later, we're still having a conversation about, you know, how do we stop this heavy flow? Of migrants and asylum seekers into our city and we should not allow anyone to tell us because we're asking the federal government to do its job that we're anti-immigration. Because That's not true. Uh, this city has always embraced immigration. Uh, we're one of the most diverse cities on the globe. All of us have roots that go to some level of immigration. The number one question is should local municipalities Should they be responsible for a national problem? And I say no to that. And when we stated last year that we need to have a decompression strategy at the board, border, 108,000 cities, states, and mis- municipalities, villages throughout this entire country. Everyone should be dealing with this issue, not just New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, and Houston, and now Massachusetts is also joining our coalition. And then we need to fund this. This should not come out of taxpayers' pockets. How much in- is it costing the taxpayers? $5 billion this fiscal year, and then in January, we have to come up with another 7 billion dollars so we took about 12 billion dollars and people often look at our budget and say well you got a you have 106 billion dollar budget that's not true 76 billion of that is accounted for you know it's to keep the lights on pick about trash etc you only have 30 billion dollars that you can sort of move around and out of that 30 billion 12 billion is coming out of it it's going to hurt it's what going kind to of services are you going to cut you're, you're talking about everything from trash pickup uh, cleaning our highways, uh, school safety agents in school, uh, how many new police classes we can put we can put in, uh, after-school programs. You think of the service, and that service is going to be impact in way, one way or another. And it's, it's really going to have a major impact on our city. And it keeps me up at night because this is a real issue that we fought for. The city has been trending in the right direction, double-digit decreasing crime, 4.7 million jobs, the highest number of jobs in our city history, A bond rating, subway uh, crime has gone down, homicides have gone down, shootings have gone down, uh, major companies are coming to this city. We were humming, and we want to continue to hum and move in the right direction. I
1: saw in the New York Post on Saturday that one of the reasons for this federal investigation on your fundraising was because you stood up for border control. Do you think there's any merit to that?
0: Well, listen, I cannot speculate on uh, why, you know, as what was reported. You know what I know. Uh, there was uh, a report that I helped uh, uh, the Turkish consulate uh, move forward to open uh, their consulate. Uh, this is what I do every day. It's your job. <laughs> right, right. I mean, you know, if you only know how many people reach out to me uh, through texts, through calls, you know, just about everybody in the city has my, my cell phone number. And my job as a Bar president, state senator, and mayor is to feel calls from constituents and contact city agencies and help them navigate those city agencies. I can't compel them because I didn't have any power to compel as the board president. But I reach out and say, can you inquire? Can anything be done to assist a particular constituent? This is what every elected official uh, does. And so uh, I don't know. You know more than I do. I'm going to participate as much as possible. Whatever information that is needed, I will turn over. But I got to have to continue running the city, and I'm focused on continuing running the city from driving down crime, dealing with this migrant asylum seeker issue, and balancing our budget and attract new industries uh, to our city.
1: Speaking of the migrants, I mean, we're all migrants. My family is a migrant. We're all American. We're all migrant. They come here. They are here for six months, and they're not able to work. I think these migrants want to work. They want to contribute. What do you think about the 6 months ban that they can't even work? Can we change that?
0: And that's a great question, but it's not even just six months. Many times they're caught in the bottleneck of the system. That six months can turn into a year, a year and a half, two years. Nothing is more anti-American than not being able to work. All of our family members, some of the jobs were, you know, menial jobs or whatever you want to call it, but at least it was a step into middle-class life in America. That is who we are, your right to be able to provide for your family. When I stayed last year, uh, early this year, January, I think it was January 8th, the coldest day of the year, I slept in one of the... Uh, shelters, We call them humanitarian relief centers. And I slept there with the migrant and I wanted to just talk to them on the ground. They're no different than our parents. And all they said, they said, we don't want anything free from you. We want to work. Can you change that? <laughs> no, we can't. And that's those are four important misnomers about this crisis. Number one, I don't have the power to give them authorization to work. It must come from the federal government. I don't have that authority. If I did, I would do it right away. Number two, I don't have the power of deportation. People say, well, why don't you just uh, tell people to leave? I don't have that authority. That's a federal authority to deport, even when we have repeated people who commit crimes. I don't have the authority to tell them to leave. Number three, that people are saying, well, they're getting more than what what longtime New Yorkers are getting. That's untrue. true. You go to these humanitarian relief centers, over 200 we open, you see people are sleeping on cots. They're having basic meals services with minimum, and people need to understand that. And then lastly, people say, well, stop people from coming in. I don't have the authority. That's against the law for me to say you can't come into the city. So I don't have the authority to manage this crisis, and I'm not getting the resources to manage the crisis. And many New Yorkers felt as though, Listen, we're just doing this uh, because we're not hearing the needs of everyday uh, struggling New Yorkers. And that is just not true. This is wrong for the migrants and is wrong for longstanding New Yorkers.
1: Mr. Mayor, are you consulting with any past mayors like uh, Mayor Bloomberg on this? Or tomorrow I have George Pataki on the Miller Report. Do you want to ask him anything?
0: Uh, Well, uh, number one, uh, Michael, uh, former mayor, Michael Bloomberg has been amazing. He has been a real mentor. Uh, Whenever I reached out to him, he has been there. He has helped us in so many levels, and I cannot thank him enough. He loves New York City. Yes. Uh, And, you know, I've communicated with him often. But, you know, you even present this case to even someone like a knowledgeable uh, lawmaker like Governor Pataki, and he'll tell you the same thing. This is just not something that this city can manage on its own. And it's just wrong for everyday New Yorkers to have to go through this.
1: Okay, let's move on to another difficult subject, which is Israel. Mm-hmm. First of all, as a child of the Holocaust, I want to thank you for standing out for Israel. Mm. Today marks almost 85 years ago of the day of the broken glass, which was when Germany started and they were, the they, Nazis were breaking down all of these Jewish homes, synagogues, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. businesses. So thank mm-hmm. you. Have you been given any backlash on that?
0: Well, you know, remember what I said, this is New York. So no matter what position you take, you're going to have folks who are going to be uh, pro and against. Uh, you must do what your heart tells you to do. Uh, the horrific, uh, disgusting actions of Hamas, uh, taking the lives of innocent people. You know, the videos of placing a baby in a stove of attacking and murdering, you know, almost over 1,400 people. You know, we need to be clear. Hamas must be destroyed. It's a terrorist organization. Uh, there is no dealing with Hamas. Uh, we need to seek them out and destroy them because that type of barbaric action is unacceptable. And we, can, one cannot justified that behavior. And so I think it was wrong for anyone to have any form of celebratory action of uh, a day or, or one or two days after something horrific like that uh, takes place. Even if you have a, a conversation on what is the destiny of Palestine and Israel, then you have that conversation. But it can't be uh, based on what we saw Hamas carried out that was wrong. And I wanted to be clear on that. I was not trying to pull any punch- punches. I didn't want to be politically correct. I wanted to be honest and forthright about that.
1: Well, thank you for your honesty. How do we make sure that these escalation of crime does not get even worse for both sides? Yes. In this no,
0: city? Well, well said. Well said. And none of us I want innocent people to lose their lives of no matter where they are. All of us understand that families are families, children are children, babies are babies, and we need to be in support of that. Right here in New York, I tell people all the time, when something happens internationally, it plays out on the streets of the city of New York, like Ukraine— and Russia war played out right here in Brighton Beach. You know, we saw, you know, people are uh, dealing with those stresses that comes with it. But what we must do here is to not allow this city to turn into a place of hate. There is no place for hate in our city. We saw what has happened to the Sikh community. We saw what has happened uh, to the Jewish community, uh, to the Muslim community, Islamophobia. We're watching our city Uh, go into this form of people believing they can spew their hateful terms, hateful terminologies in our city. And we need to be clear, this is not the majority of New Yorkers. Because someone does a march of 5,000 people, we have 8.3 million people in this city. And if we allow the noise of those 5,000 to give the impression uh, that this is the spirit of New York, we're wrong. Every day, various ethnic groups... Broke side by side with each other. They teach together. They have their faith together. They work together. So not only do we have a uniform faith that we must de- depend on, we have a fate that we must depend on. We in this to- we're in this together. And so as a city, we're not sitting back. We're going to make sure we have the proper police protection. We had, we had overall hate crimes have been down in the city since October 7th. We've witnessed an, an uptick, particularly with graffiti-related hate crime. Uh, but we 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 want to make sure that Um, No one is afraid to wear a yarmulke, a hijab, a a turban as they move through the city. We're going to prosecute and investigate any hate crime that takes place. But we want to also do what we call breaking bread, building bonds, where we're encouraging people to sit down, have dinners, talk to each other. We can push out this hate that we are seeing on our streets and some of the nasty, negative terminology that's being used by those who think they speak on behalf of us when, in fact, they do not.
1: Thank you for that.